Hello friends, welcome back to Meg Living Inside Out. In this episode, we're talking about learning slow living. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Psalm 37 verse 3. Learning slow living has been a journey. Uh... To give you the long version, because this is a podcast, uh, when I got married, I had, uh, my mental health was in a really bad place, my, my physical health, I was nutritionally depleted, I've got more info on that at inversestream.com slash health, and um, I was kind of a mess, and so Ben married me, knowing that I was a mess, and he promised me that I would not have to work outside the home unless I wanted to. Um, He did ask me to work when we were saving up to buy a house, uh, which was a very important part of the story. And um, eventually I made a lot of progress on my mental health. Uh, Working part-time in 2020 was quite the experience and actually wore me out. I was starting to have hot flashes at the end of that. Um, I worked from like Uh, February, March to July. That sounds about right. So, and then after that, we finally bought a house in spring of 2021. And that's really where this whole process of slow living (laughs) really started to hit the runway. (laughs) Or the driveway and parking itself in the driveway to reverse the metaphor. Um, Our home, I'm sitting on our front porch as I'm recording this, and our home is a safe haven for us. It's a a very beautiful place. Um, We have a lot of trees. We've got a really quiet neighborhood. And when we first came here, it was actually surprising how quiet it was um, because our apartment before had been uh, bordering a a busy street and um, very often the car noise from the road would, like you would start to tune it out, but then when it got quiet, you'd realize, oh wow, that was really noisy. Well, when we came here, we had no more street noise like that. And it was just... I can't even tell you, unless you've experienced it, there is no way for me to explain what it felt like when somebody takes a knob and turns it all the way down to silent. Um, and you, if the radio, and you don't even realize the radio is playing. And slow living is, in my personal opinion, the final step in healing. Um, you, you know, I know that I am safe. And I don't just, I don't just have to say that to myself out loud repetitively to get it into my head, which I used to when I was young, a teenager in my 20s. I am safe. I am safe. I would say it repetitively to help my psyche know that I was safe 
But I intrinsically, subconsciously, in my bones, know that I am safe. And I wish I could bottle up little sample bottles of this piece and mail them to you so that you could experience this calmness for yourself. And I do not take this for granted. We are not promised this in life. It's a goal. It's something that we strive for. And Proverbs talks a lot about wisdom and stewardship and fruitfulness in order to find peace and calmness. Um, But this is kind of the epitome of the human experience. I literally have the white picket fence experience in a safe neighborhood with beautiful trees and people who are kind and loving. And I do not take that for granted. I, I think about the chaos that is going on in the world right now. And Jesus said, you know, as the end approaches, you will hear there will be wars and you will hear rumors of wars. And I was worrying about humanity from a very young age (laughs) before there was an internet to tell me all the specifics about what was wrong with humanity. (laughs) Um, I remember as a child in the 90s running to my bed and throwing myself onto my bed and crying and sobbing because there were people who didn't know Jesus. I remember just... I remember worrying about humanity from a very young age. So... In the middle of this story, I got on the internet. A perfect segue. When I was a child, there was no internet, at least not for me functionally. And there was certainly no social media. And then uh, Facebook, MySpace happened, uh, Facebook happened, Twitter happened, Instagram happened. I had an Android phone, so I got Instagram, what felt like very late at the time. Um, But I got a Blackberry and I got on Twitter. And that was the beginning of me building friendships online. And I've talked about making friends on social media. You can listen to that podcast at inversestream.com slash podcast slash friendship. Um, And one of my friends said that episode really blessed her and... I had lots of positive things to say about social media and how to find friends and just, it was really helpful and encouraging advice. So I say that for context for what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to lean a little bit into the negatives. Um, And let me clarify, I met my husband on social media. I love social media. I, I love basically everything about it, asterisks, terms and conditions apply, trolls not included, see 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 your sovereign deity for details um (laughs) so social media was very important for me in that season because that was my mid-20s and I was living alone and I needed friendship I was living in South Florida Fort Lauderdale which which is a flat metropolis and it was great for having lots of people around you but it was really difficult for having your friend 
20 minutes that way, 30 minutes that way, 20, 40 minutes the other way. And yes, you would see them occasionally at this place or that place, you know, the ballet studio or church or a small group, but it was, it was not the community experience that I have now where I can walk across the street. I can walk from my house and I potentially know 50 people within walking distance that I could go and ask help from. I haven't counted. I'll get off this podcast and count and it'll probably be more like 20, but I am in the, I am in the neighborhood Facebook group. So that counts for something, right? So, um, lots of benefits to social media, but then in 2018, I started to really burn myself out. Um, I'd become more whole as a person. I realized I want to help other people become more whole. And I'd spent a lot of time in the Twitter DMs, um, you know, making friends and building friendships. And that turned into spending a lot of time messaging people and just encouraging them and trying to counsel them and help them with whatever circumstances they were facing. And that burned me out. It burned me out on group chats. It burned me out on initiating direct message friendships um, in general, in the very broad way that I had been doing that. Um, And I was using my Twitter account in Verstream 1 at the time. And um, I intentionally... That account is private because I said a lot of things that just don't need to be analyzed by the broad public, but um, nothing I'm embarrassed about, but they just don't need to be analyzed in public. Um, And the reason I considered deleting it, but one of the reasons that I left it up was because I've direct messaged a lot of people from that account. And I, when you delete a Twitter account, all of those direct messages disappear, literally go poof. And I'd spent a lot of energy on those direct messages and I wanted people to still have them if they wanted them. So that was why I kept that account up. Um, But then I found myself on Instagram kind of doing the same thing. And so I migrated from Twitter to Instagram. I was on Instagram casually for a couple years. Then I got really aggressive and intentional and I got really active on my Twitter, May Living Inside Out, um, in, uh, June of 2021, and all of that was good things, and, um, however, Ben noticed that when I was on social media, my mind, even when I was away from my phone, my mind was still on social media, And there's different elements to social media. So social media has two functions, basically outputting uh, short form content and exchanging um, social friendliness. So the content is the media part and the social is the social part. And... 
Oh gosh, two, three weeks ago, I said to myself, I need a break. I need a break from content. I need a break just from things and stuff. I need to find, there's, there's a radio playing and I need to find the volume knob and I need to turn it all the way down to silent because it's too noisy in my head. Um, and I was, I was stretched thin. I was tired. I was discouraged. I, I needed a break. Um, and I took a break from content for two weeks, but I was still on Instagram engaging socially. And that was a, that was nice. That was good. But I got so far along and I realized the part that's hard for me is actually not the content part. The part that's hard for me is the social part. And um, my Instagram had um, gotten up to 800 follows at this point, and I would have you know, people come and visit my content and binge my content and leave comments and lovely things. And I appreciate that. But this is going to sound terrible, but it is in the content of my long form podcast. So please do not take this personally. My Instagram is up to be appreciated and I want people to have meaningful comments and interactions and all that. But it was too stimulating for me to process. And I would see a face and I would see a comment and a question. I'm struggling with boundaries. What do I do? And that was the social element that really... I recognized that I... I couldn't maintain the social element of social media. And so, um, I was reading First Peter 1, and there's a, a beautiful verse in there that says something about living hope. And I forget it specifically, but it's in First Peter 1, so you can go look it up. And I just started sobbing. Um, and I'm not much of a crier, uh, at least not like the way that I used to. Um, and Ben could tell that I needed some love and nourishment, and he made me waffles, and I was very blessed. And I realized I had tried taking breaks, I had tried cutting out certain things. But I realized that I needed to cut out the social element of social media. And it's been at least a week since then, if not two. I forget because I'm not keeping track. Um, which is actually a very restful thing to experience. And... Um, with the exception of sending specific people my phone number to keep in contact outside of social media, I have not been in my direct messages or looked at my notifications since then.
and I am doing so much better. Now, to be fair, this advice is not for those who are in a unhealthy living situation and the internet is your support system. I would strongly advise you to stay on the internet and not isolate yourself from your people um, because that's the season that you're in and you need that. Uh, that is not the season that I am and I am in a very, I am in the most healthy season I've ever been in. I have a good husband, a good community, and a good church and I'm increasingly investing my heart and my mind and my energy here. Um, I'm recording this podcast because <laughs> I'm on my bike walking dogs and God gives me words and I recognize different elements. I'm like, I need to record a podcast on this. Um, and it was actually when I was walking the dog, um, that I realized, you know, this juxtaposition of anxious living versus slow living. And I would say it's a spectrum. It's not like a switch one way or the other. I'd say like there's notches, (laughs) um, or not, maybe notches isn't quite the word I want, but it's a spectrum. Um, so you've got super anxious, you've got people in the middle, and then I'm trying to get as far as I can over it on to slow mode. Um, so I was biking with my dog, Asterix. He's not actually my dog. Ben is allergic to dogs. But um, a year ago, I met uh, a dog in my neighborhood named Brutus. And his owner needed help dog sitting and needed help uh, walking him when she was... Um, busy doing various things and so um, I've been walking Brutus for a year now and that has been an incredible gift Um, he's gonna show up my artwork and just Brutus has been a gift and so I was biking with Brutus and I was biking home from Brutus and I noticed that when I bike without Brutus biking is more exhausting because I'm focusing on pushing the pedals and moving forward and being efficient with my time and my energy but it's more exhausting but I notice that when I bike with Brutus he's he's not a runner he's more of a, a trot kind of a fellow so it's a little bit faster than a casual walk um but it's slower than a typical bike. So a lot of times I'll be on my bike next to Brutus and I'll actually be um, either lightly pedaling or even holding onto the brake because I need to go slower than what gravity in the bike would do so that I can stay at the same pace as him. And what's interesting is that when when I bike with Brutus, I'm not biking for efficiency. I'm big word alert, I'm biking for efficacy. Um, I'm, I'm biking to stay at Brutus's pace. Now, efficacy is a big word. I only learned it a few years ago, and efficacy is kind of the opposite 
of efficiency. So if efficiency, a good example of efficiency is a lawnmower. Like it has a function, which is to cut the grass. You put gas in it or charge it up however, and then you go and you cut the grass and whatever form that lawnmower have is to enhance the function of cutting the grass. Efficacy is the opposite. Efficacy is like baking a pie for dessert. And not just baking a pie for dessert, but then taking the extra pieces of dough and cutting them into very lovely leaf shapes and pressing them out and putting them on top of the pie to decorate it. Now, this is not something that you're going to frame and put on the wall because, after all, it's a pie. You can't save it. It will go bad. Um, It's literally beauty for the sake of celebrating life. And in a few hours or maybe a day or two, you're going to cut into that pie and you're going to eat it and it's going to be delicious. And you're going to remember how beautiful it was and you're going to remember the leaves and you're going to savor it and celebrate that meal and that time and you're going to thank the person who made it and it'll be one more Thanksgiving pie in the books. Um, That's efficacy. Efficacy is based on the word effect and so the point is to have a desired effect. Ballet is very efficacious. Um, Perfume, uh, art, it's, it's going to great lengths to receive a very specific result. And so in this case, Walking Brutus was very efficacious in that I wasn't biking for the sake of moving forward and getting somewhere at a certain place at a certain time. I was on my bike, not for the purpose of biking, but for the purpose of being with my friend. My dog friend, but he is my friend, yes. Which leads me to another element of slow living, which is... Oh, I texted my friend um, the other day, and I said, the most anxious, the biggest thing that I worried about today was running my errands and then getting back to my dogs. And, like, in the grand scheme of things, let's just think about how low stress that is. I, I dog sat Brutus this weekend, um, so I, when I ran errands on Saturday or, or Thursday or what have you, my greatest concern was like, okay, how long I've been away from the house, um, did he get plenty of time to go potty before I left, and how soon do I need to be back, and thankfully, uh, we spent lots of time in the yard, so, um, even when we weren't walking, so he had plenty of time to use the restroom whenever he wanted, and he had very nice long stints in the house so that I could run my errands and we had no accidents. So that was very lovely. Um, But I texted my friend this and I said, that's been my biggest thing of anxiety this week, today. And I kind of want this for the rest of my life. (laughs) Uh, And to be clear, it's not that I don't have things I need to do. So, for example, um, last night I told Ben, Ben, 
the kitchen is kind of a wreck and if I leave it um it'll make life more complicated for us tomorrow and I'm still dog sitting so let me wait on whatever YouTube video we're going to watch together and let me clean the kitchen and then I will come sit with you and so I had a responsibility yes but it was not time sensitive there was no anxiety about if I don't clean this kitchen within the next four hours, I'm going to get written up or I'm going to get fired or I'm gonna, what have you. There was none of that. And oh, again, if I could bottle up this piece and mail, mail you a sample, I absolutely would. Hopefully this podcast is doing it justice. Um, attempting to do it justice. I I don't know. Um, another thing, um, another example of responsibility that had no pressure was um, I've been using the uh, Toddy app. T-O-D-Y. Like tidy, but you replace the I with an O. Maybe it's toady, maybe it's toddy. I don't know. Um, it was $8 in the iTunes store. And I have been trying to make it work for me the past a couple of rounds. And initially I assigned myself way too many things and I got overwhelmed. But this round has been very successful. And I set myself two assignments for the bedroom area. Um, uh, to sweep under the bed once every cu- couple of months. And then also to change the sheets once a week. And at the same time that I change the sheets, wipe down the fan blades that we have on the ceiling fan. Because if I wipe them down once a week, then they'll literally never get fluffy and gross. So, and if I wipe them down over the dirty sheets, I can stand on the bed without feeling bad um, if I'm wearing shoes. And also whatever dust goes onto the sheets that I immediately take downstairs in the basement and the wash. So... I had that pop up um, yesterday, and I was like, I'm still dog sitting. I will get to that tomorrow. Um, So I had a little red dot on my home screen of my phone for that task, but I knew it wasn't urgent. And then today, I was catching up with a friend, again, another uh, Instagram friend that I exchanged numbers with because... um, I knew I wanted to keep the friendship without that middleman of Instagram, um, which takes more work and long distance relationships are their long distance friendships are their own. It's, is a skill set. And that is its own podcast episode, which I haven't recorded yet. Um, but I was texting my friend she sent me a lovely life update. And I said to myself, I'm going to save this life update that I know is going to be good. And I'm going to do this chore first, and then I'm going to come back and read this, and that will be my reward for doing my chore. And I kid you not, it took me maybe two minutes to wipe down the fan blades, peel the sheets off the bed, put them in the washer, start the washer. And then I went back to checking in with my friend and learning about how her life is going and the breaks that she's had, learning about you know, the worth that God is instilling in her. And it was just like, oh, it was so wonderful and happy. So it's actually been 
strange. Um, um, I was not having anxiety um, to the point where I actually had a moment where I was anxious about not being anxious. (laughs) Like, I'm not worrying about anything. I have nowhere to go. I have nowhere urgent to be. Should I be worrying about this? Um, I was dog sitting Brutus and I was sitting in the yard and I was like, should I be somewhere? Is there somewhere I need to go? Like normally, normally in, in day to day, I'll have like one commitment a day. That's kind of maybe two. Um, if the car needs to go to the shop, I need, might need to go here. I need to walk this dog in the morning. Um, so I still have like time based responsibilities, but I was sitting in the yard and I realized I don't have anywhere I need to go. And it was very, very interesting to realize that I did not need to worry about that. And something I've also been thinking about, which is not directly related to slow living, but it is related to this whole process of, um, the finer points of a healing journey. Um, let's, let's just jump into it. Okay. Do I give you the principle first or the example? Um, I'm going to give you the principle first. So the principle is that you can unlearn negative connotations. So like, Ash, please chill out, buddy. I am recording a podcast. I don't have a dog here for you to smell and be friend FOMO about. Okay, I think he's chill. Fingers crossed that he stays chill. Um, we can unlearn connotations. I'm going to go in the house. <laughs> we can unlearn connotations. And what I mean by that is, let's say that there's a word that is scary and you've heard this word around and you realize oh that word is scary and I'm going to stay away from that word and anytime I hear or see that word I'm just going to run away and I still have words in my life that are like that and they're not my favorite and probably going to be that way for the rest of time. That's totally fine. There's things that should have negative connotations um, because they're negative words. However, I'm going to give you an example, and this does relate to slow living. An example of a word that has negative connotations for a lot of people, but (laughs) shouldn't, uh, to put it bluntly, is the word dominion. Now, in the Bible, in Genesis, God tells us to have dominion over the land and the sea and the animals and all of creation. We are the cherry on top of creation. Um, And the reason that this word scares a lot of people is because it sounds very similar to dominate. It's like, you know, go out and dominate creation. (sighs) I... I think of the word dominate and I think of um, really unhappy marriages where two people are trying to control each other 
Um, I think of the line from Tolkien, where he said of Sauron, he has a mind of metal and wheels. Um, and metal and wheels is very much about uh, efficiency, not efficacy, which efficacy is kind of the season um, and the point. Um, and so dominate has a lot of negative common connotations, and rightfully so. Um, and it's a homonym. It sounds similar to the word dominion. But dominion is completely different. Dominion is when I have a relationship with Brutus and he walks beside me and literally never pulls on the leash. And um, dominion is planting strawberries in a planter outside my house and watching them flourish and then transplanting them into yet another larger container. Um, Actually, it's a project I need to do. Not urgently, but I need to do it at some point this fall, is transplant the strawberries into my green stock planter, which is very wonderful for um, growing strawberries because they don't get dirty, and also salad greens. um, And you can grow lots of things in green stock. And if you do want to get in gardening, into gardening, I highly recommend the YouTube channel Roots and Refuge, and she talks about them a lot and demonstrates, and she tells you when they have sales, and you can also sign up for their email list so you know when they have sales, and you can also stack her code Roots10 on top of it. So, uh, shameless, unaffiliated promo for Greenstock, but that is an example of me having dominion in my home, and in not just my home as in the building, but my home as in the building and the land adjacent to my home. And I particularly love the example of strawberries and transplanting them because that is something that is seasonally timed. Like, I I don't want to transplant strawberries in the summer because the heat is so brutal and it'd be really an intense process for the strawberry plants. Um, So I want to do that this time in the fall, but before it gets too cold. So I have a window of time. I've got maybe a month and a half, and I'd really like to do it within the next couple of weeks so they have this nice, cool weather, but it's still warm, but it's just slightly that touch of brisk in the autumn. I don't know if you have that in your part of the world. Um, That touch of brisk in the autumn where it's nowhere close to freezing, um, but the intensity of summer heat is uh, not a thing to worry about. Um, And so that's an example of something that's time sensitive. It's important, but it's not urgent. And... Um, to meander onto the topic of important versus urgent, I want you to do me a favor and draw two lines. So one line that's in your head, one line that's vertical, and one line that is horizontal. And in the top right corner, we're going to have important and urgent. 
And in the top left corner, we're going to have important, but not urgent. In the bottom right corner, we're going to put urgent, sort of the same way that spam whale says, urgent, do this thing. And then in the bottom left corner, we're going to have unimportant and unurgent. Now, there are a lot of things in life that are in the urgent category and they shout at us and they draw us into their busy cycle and when I am on social media, I am an empath and if I am, even if I'm taking a break from social media, I will still think about my relationships and my investment on social media. I'll be in the shower praying about a thing that I encouraged and counsel someone on in the DMs on social media. And that is very meaningful and important and there is a, a time and a place for that. But my role in that time and a place has come to an end. Um, I want to be living in that top left corner of urgent, of <clears throat> top left corner of important, but not urgent. And if we focus on living in that top left corner, a lot of times the important things won't migrate to the urgent important. Now, let's say your car breaks down. That would be urgent important. But most things, like renewing your vehicle registration, oh, it needs to be done in the month of September. That's important, but you have a window of opportunity to do it. So it's not urgent. If you draw that quadrant on a piece of paper and just start Label the quadrant so you know which one's which and just start writing down, okay, what is the important urgent? What's the urgent not important? What's the unimportant unurgent? Something in that category that is very meaningful to me is knitting. I have knit maybe four or five hats this fall in the past two, three months, and it has been delightful. Um, when we moved in, I promised myself that after I got the house organized, I would get back into knitting. And that was a reward I set for myself because I had no knitting projects on the needles. Um, and I knew once I did have knitting projects on my needles, my mind would go to that as opposed to working on getting the house settled. Now, to be fair, the house is kind of cluttered right now and the art desk is completely unusable, but, but, huh, uh, I have been dog sitting, I've been away from home, and I'm going to spend tomorrow listening to podcasts, chilling out, music, tidying my home. Important, not urgent. Now, there is something in the important quadrant of my life that I've been putting off for a very long time. 
and I don't think putting off is quite the right word actually, but I've been thinking about it and I've been praying over it and preparing for it for a very long time. And that is drawing the kite song sisters. Now, if you, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, um, I am a illustrator and a watercolor artist, and um, I've told this story in a few places, but um, the short version is that in 2016, when I had my mental health breakdown, um, God showed me the verse in Psalm 23 where he said, Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I made that second person because I'm speaking that over you, but the verse is in the first person, but ignore that. The point is, is that the goodness and mercy of God, when we are in relationship with him, and if we are one of the elect, we cannot lose them. We cannot lose the goodness and mercy of God. There's goodness for our obedience and mercy for our failure. And in another moment of crisis in October of 2017, after I'd gotten married, I fell asleep and I had, after a particularly rough breakdown, I had to go to a neighbor's house and sob on their couch and ask them to pray for me and then went home because I was having like intrusive thoughts of like, really grotesque self-harm and it was just really not good and Ben was already asleep so I didn't want to wake him up and he was his heart was very worn in that season that was the hardest season for him in our marriage um, because he recognized that I was not doing well and he committed himself to me but he also didn't realize how exhausting that would be and I knew I had to figure out my mental health otherwise it would really be hard it would be it would start to get really hard because I recognized that Ben was dipping into his emotional bank account and I knew at a certain point that he would run out and something would break and it'd be really hard to rebuild not impossible but just hard and I knew that I had things I could do to prevent that and so um I got on custom vitamins and Two months later, I was creating again, and I felt like a new human being. A week from then, and I wasn't having intrusive thoughts and anxiety. Um, so, again, in versheem.com slash health, there will be resources there. And if you visited that website, that landing page of mine, and you weren't impressed, um, but it's been a few months, uh, revisit potentially, because I may have added stuff, so... Yeah, you never know. Um, I haven't yet, but I hope to. So, anyways. Um, so, actually it was mid-October, and I was falling asleep, and I had this momentary idea of two balloons representing the goodness and mercy of God. And from there, it became these two little girls going on an adventure, and... Um, 
when we bought this house, the words kite song kind of came together and um, I just thought that was really pretty and there's so much hope and potential and joy in those two words. And both of them are very um, efficacious. You know, when you fly a kite, you do it for the enjoyment of seeing a little piece of cloth that you touched floating in the sky by the miracle of of the wind and physics. And in song, like, practically, song is like perfume. Song is like dance. It is very, very temporal. It is short-lived. It is infuriatingly short-lived. However, singing is something that God tells us to do in the scriptures. It's part of our act of worship, um, as part of praise. And he also calls us to give the sacrifice of praise. And I love to sing when I'm emotionally distressed as a way to express my emotions to the Lord in a way that I know he, he doesn't need me to use words. He can translate. <laughs> um, I, I have spoken in tongues. Um, I've been translated in tongues. And I, I don't use them much anymore because I prefer to sing um, just guttural, raw emotion. Um, and I know that the Lord hears me and I, that gives me comfort and peace. And in the process of praying, he, he encourages me. And sometimes he shows me what to do next. Sometimes he just gives me hope. But singing, while it may seem very efficacious in that the sound is the point and, you know, no one will ever hear those notes sung quite like that ever again. Like, I'm waxing poetic. There is actually a very interesting physical benefit to singing that also happens to relate to slow living. The Holy Spirit is really guiding my topic flow today. My segues are normally not this organized, so thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, singing calms our nervous system, specifically the vagus nerve. And if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night with like racing anxiety, um, obviously you may not want to sing in the middle of the night, especially if you're in an apartment or something like that, or you have a roommate, but what you can do is, um, go to the freezer or the fridge, if you have one, and get a bag of frozen vegetables, or, um, get a washcloth, run it under cold water, wring it out, and put it on your chest, um, right around where your heart is, and, that cool temperature will also calm your vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve connects the stomach to the brain. And in the functional medicine world, the stomach is kind of called the second brain because the stomach is the one that actually tells the brain, here's how we're feeling today. When people talk about gut instinct, scientifically, that's actually true. Um, now if you've been through trauma or what have you, and you're, 
you've got triggers that pump your adrenaline into your system. Um, like, that's a gut instinct also, but you can unlearn that. Um, and God's working on it, so just trust the process. He's going to take his time and do it gently. But calming the vagus nerve and healing the gut and then is a very important part of calming the mind. And calming the mind is kind of, it's the foundation of slow living. I used to have this mindset of, okay, I need to do this. And then after I do that, I need to do that. And I would pressure myself to think of this whole list of things in the order in which I should do them. And I've done this since I was like a young teenager. And then one day I realized, why am I pressuring myself to list out a bunch of things? I don't need to list out a bunch of things. I really, if I clean the kitchen and I clean the toilet, I'm kind of good for the day. My mind, I might end up tidying the living room just because I'm here and I have the wherewithal to do that. But like the only, these two things are the most important that I need to be done and nothing else is urgent. We're back to that important versus urgent quadrant system again. So having a calm mind knowing this is the only thing I need to work on and I'm not going to worry about anything else has been really important. Um, and to finish my ramble on the Kite Song Sisters, back in oh late summer this year, I uh, actually got COVID. Um, I'm not vaccinated and uh, that's just my personal preference. Um, and it, it, it was, it really slowed me down. Um, it wasn't bad, but it just slowed me down. And it really discouraged me to the point where I was like, why am I alive? What is the point? Um, and we got so far in and then Ben got sick with it too. And then my mom reminded us, oh yeah, you've got that ivermectin. I was like, oh yeah. So we took the ivermectin and then we were fine. It was great. Immediately turned the corner. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's finally recommended by the CDC. So that's nice. Um, antiviral medication. It's wonderful. So in that season of laying in bed, basically physically incapacitated, um, and God did use that time to get some really important things through my brain, um, very specifically, like, don't go looking for validation about your creativity because it's the work that I have assigned to you and you will get validation when it is time for you to get validation. And the verse that he sent me towards was when, when it's somewhere in Luke, I think, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. And that was very helpful for me, and it makes me less uh, anxious and needy and less of a social vacuum cleaner. 
uh, when I'm not looking for validation for my creative pursuits. Um. <coughs> so he got that through my head while I was sick with COVID, which was definitely worth the week in bed, putting a pause to everything else. He said, now this is important. We need to communicate that. But the other thing that happened was he showed me zines. Now, I'd known about zines before, and I've loved folding little bits of regular printer paper into an eight-page booklet, but I was just perusing YouTube, um, and I was perusing, I'd been on the um, I Quit Instagram and My Life is So Much Better rabbit hole, which is really great if you need motivation to help you quit. Um, but it's not a good place to stay in because otherwise you get into kind of like the Instagram so bad, <laughs> boo social media. And like, we're not here to throw rotten eggs at anyone. So that's not a mindset I wanted to sit in. But one of the recommended videos was, here's how I promote my art without Instagram. Oh, here's some zines that I made. And I started to go through down the art business rabbit hole, which is so healthy and exactly what I have needed. And as I said, I first sketched out um, the first Kite Song Sister back in October of 2017. So it's been five years um, since coming up with this concept and I knew when I first sketched her and I had even sketched some people, some girls similar to her, like young women style in my late 20s. So that visualization, that image, that style had been with me before and it was just now coming together. Worlds were colliding. Um, but I'd already had though that that style in me, so to speak. Um, so I went down this rabbit hole on Instagram. Excuse me. I went down this rabbit hole of anti-Instagram to YouTube small art business and zines. And the first thing I realized was that I could handwrite my stories of Albarian and actually have like little story booklets I could sell to people. And wouldn't that be so cool? And I got a pack of 50 stories of Albarian stickers and aren't they beautiful and wouldn't they be so great and let me tell everyone about how much Jesus loves them through this form of story narrative that makes them feel safe and whole and helps them face hard things in a different light that's not as personal and and see things that end up setting them free in their real life like yes stories of Albarian um and then I realized I could draw Kite Song Sisters. And it wasn't an idea that I got, like, had a lot of vision for initially. At first I was like, oh, I could put the sun in this particular spot. And then you'd have a sun on these two pages and then a sun on those two pages. And wouldn't that be cool to have, like, something that rounds the corner? Because it's this one big 12 by 18 piece of paper that you cut in a slit in the middle and then you fold it into a six inch by four and a half inch booklet like 
oh my gosh, this is so cool. But I really didn't have a vision for the stories, for the images. And I was still on Instagram, making short-form content, engaging both the media and the social. Well, friends, I have started sketching the Kite Song Sisters. And it is beautiful. It makes me so happy. And this is in the important, not urgent space. But if I was on social media, even if I wasn't socializing or mediaizing, posting content, that's a weird, the other word I used was weird. I'm not repeating that. Um, but even if I was just on social media scrolling <laughs> to stay relational with people who are my friends because I want to know how they're doing and did my friend Riley have her baby? I really should text her, but I don't want to bother her, but I should just text her. Yes. Okay. I will do that. Um, I would still see headlines of sad things in the world that I cannot do anything about. That I then have to filter through my theology of God's goodness is bigger than this. God's goodness is bigger than that. God's goodness is bigger than all of it. But I'm still carrying that weight and that sadness. And I am not in a calm, peaceful headspace that I need to be in in order to draw calm and peaceful things. And that's what I want to do with Kite Song Sisters. I have to insulate myself. I have to live in a bubble to draw things from that place of safety so then I can send them out into the world and send you that calm and that peace and that safety. And even if you never get to a place of calm or peace in this life, except for maybe some moments here and there, heaven is waiting for us. This life is, is the journey to the end destination. I love what Psalm 27 says. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And that verse has been really important to me because it's hard. When life gets really hard, it's hard to have faith that we will see God's goodness in the land of the living. Because what's here, the bad seems so big, but God's goodness is bigger. And God's goodness is an expression of his holiness. His holiness is the epitome of goodness. And that's why Jesus had to go to the cross to die for our sins so that God could exact justice for all of the wrong and bad things. And Jesus, also God, part of the Trinity, the Bible's really great. If anything in doctrine confuses you, read the story. Go Always go back to the story. So Jesus died for our sins. 
so that then we could be covered by the blood of Christ and we could be seen as righteous before God. Full disclaimer, I've never actually had anybody's blood on me for any reason. So I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically here, not literally. Um, but one of, the, one of the metaphors in scripture that's also given is white robes. There's a story in the Gospels, um, I know it's in Matthew and it may be retold elsewhere, where a man um, goes to this wedding feast and the host has given everyone wedding clothes to wear. <clears throat> and this person has rebelliously chosen not to wear those wedding clothes. Heaven. Heaven is going to be the eternal wedding celebration of Jesus being united with the church. And that is us. And he has given us wedding clothes to wear. So that God sees us as righteous. And because God sees us as righteous, we are then allowed into his presence. We are allowed into relationship with him. And both here on earth and in heaven, the kingdom of heaven is in our hearts. It's not about the circumstances. It's not about complete physical healing, which is not a thing in this life. It is not even about full emotional stability. It is Emotional stability is great and wonderful, but it's not the end-all be-all. It's not about having perfectly balanced hormones. And let me tell you, I love balanced hormones, same as the next healthy person. But it's about the kingdom of heaven is knowing that we are covered in Christ's righteousness. And because of that, we get to enter in to a relationship with God and experience his goodness. And experience his holiness. Scripture says that when Moses looked at God's back, he came down from the mountain and his face was glowing. He had to wear a veil. And so then in the New Testament, it says, we with unveiled face beholding the glory of God. And I forget the exact verse in the New Testament, but it's there and Google is a thing and concordances are great. Dude, where is my concordance? JK, it's by my bed. Um, yeah. And here's the thing, friend. Heaven is the ultimate slow living because we will literally have all the time in the world if this podcast has given you something to think about something you need to work through and process I would encourage you to click the link in the description inversestream.com slash podcast slash slow dash living there will be a web form there that will connect you with a digital mentor this is not a counselor this is simply a christian who wants to encourage you in your spiritual journey thank you so much for listening my name is meg i love my jesus 
and I believe in living inside out. Now it's your turn. Live it.